Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Brainwaves. Hear the world differently. Bringing community mental health to you, raising awareness and challenging stigma. Tune in to 3CR Community Radio, Wednesdays at 5pm. Melbourne's Drive Time Radio Program, featuring community organisations, powerful stories and information. Find us at brainwaves.org.au. Proudly sponsored by Wellways Australia. And welcome to Brainwaves on 3CR 855 AM, 3CR Digital Radio and 3cr.org.au. Uh, so my name is Kaylin, and before I introduce our guest today, I'd just like to take a moment to acknowledge and pay my respects to the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, the traditional custodians of the land in which I'm coming to you from today, land never ceded, land where we here at Brainwaves are lucky enough to tell our stories and land where stories have been told by the traditional owners for many years before us. I would like to pay my respects to their elders past and present and acknowledge all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander listeners today. I'd also like to acknowledge anyone listening today who is struggling with their mental health. So my guest today is the wonderful Ash King. Ash is a registered psychologist, a writer and designer, and the founder of Heavy Metal, a mental health workshop and merch hub. She is currently the resident psychologist of Support Act, Australia's music industry charity, and is undertaking a PhD with uh, with Cyber Psychology Research Group at the University of Sydney, exploring social media and identity. Today, she's here to talk to us about therapized content. Uh, with thanks to Instagram and TikTok, we've seen an absolute explosion of social media that relates to mental health. And is it safe to get our mental health advice on social media? And what are some of the positives to learning about mental health from social media content creators? Well, Ash is here to give us her insight on that topic exactly. Hi, Ash. Uh, welcome to Brainwaves. Hi, thanks for having me. Hey, no worries. Now, I guess before we get started, we should probably give people an example or two of what therapies uh, content can look like. Uh, would you be able to give some examples? Absolutely. So this idea of sort of administering therapeutic advice via sort of online platforms has really taken off uh, over the past sort of five years or so. Um, and you might have seen a couple of these posts around the traps, if this is how your algorithm works, um, showing things like, you know, how to know if you have undiagnosed ADHD or five lesser known autistic traits, maybe something like the differences between BPD, which is... Um, uh, which is borderline personality disorder and bipolar. So a lot of these posts are intended to, I guess, provide information and clarity. And I guess that's how we would understand therapized content. Wonderful. All right. And it can be extremely comforting to watch, say, a video of someone talking about their mental health symptoms. Um, you know, you can recognize that in yourself. And then there's that sense of understanding to a point of feeling, you know, less abnormal about your own experience. But should we be taking to social media for self-diagnosis? Yeah, so it really is quite a human impulse uh, to help try and make sense of ourselves, to try and make sense of our behaviour, our personality and uh, the world around us, you know, via the creation and adherence to categories. It's really interesting and fascinating. I um, have a little boy who's 18, month, um, 18 months old now and just watching as he gets older and older and tries to lunge for, you know, new categories as a way of understanding the world uh, just shows 
what uh, a, an incredibly human um, impulse this is. We do the same thing when it comes to our mental health and well-being. So a diagnosis can make us feel like the difficult or challenging parts of our experience, such as our thoughts, our feelings and behaviour, are kind of less about who we are as a person and more about a condition that we might be living with and experiencing. But the problem is, is that, you know, social media is completely un regulated, mm-hmm. uh, especially within the health domain. So whilst there have been some promising features that have been slowly implemented, I guess, over the past five to 10 years, there's really no conditions regarding who can speak to what topics and prefer advice. So that means that anyone who has any sort of uh, interest or account um, can basically get online and say whatever it is they want. So it's hard to really certify, I guess, who's giving you the right information in that space then. Yeah, it is. It is hard to know who to trust uh, because we don't. Uh, we're often not only drawn to the people who have, I guess, the highest level of expertise. In fact, sometimes people who are considered the experts uh, can feel quite cold and clinical. They can feel like we can't relate to them and they don't understand us. So sometimes we like to get our messaging from people who are warm, who are relatable, and maybe who have had similar life experiences to us. Absolutely. And I think that's definitely a place of comfort for a lot of people, for sure. So um, what are some of the barriers that people face when it comes to seeking mental health supports or diagnosis? Yeah, so the first one that comes to mind is definitely stigma. I think that we've come such a long way when it comes to having more open conversations about mental health and well-being. However, there is still quite a pervasive stigma uh, that lingers and gets people, I guess, feeling quite embarrassed, guilty and ashamed when it comes to uh, admitting that they might need some help or support or that they might be living with a mental health condition. You know, depending on certain identity markers, it's more or less, you know, accepted within communities to admit that you're going through sort of mental health issues or that you might even have a mental health disorder. Uh, There's also... a lot of people who have had challenging or incredibly invalidating experiences in the mm. past when it comes to seeking mental health support or diagnosis. You know, maybe it's been a really long time coming and they've had to spend heaps of money seeing a range of experts professionals and they didn't get any clarity or perhaps they were misdiagnosed or perhaps they were put on a range of different medications and none of them worked. So It is, you know, unfortunate that this does happen uh, in our healthcare system and it can just really put people off. So that kind of pulls people away. Things like money, time and resources, they pull us back, uh, as well as sort of access to experts and people with the clinical aptitude to diagnose. Sometimes it's hard to know where to go and you could even go and see a GP and the GP might have an idea of maybe what you're dealing with, but the GP might not even know what type of a psychiatrist you need to see or a type of um, sort of clinical psychologist uh, who is an expert in that area, particularly in regards to diagnosis. So, you know, it's an imperfect system. And unfortunately, there there are lots of barriers. Hopefully, you know, bit by bit, we are working to, uh, you know, dismantle some of them and make the 
particularly the mental health care system, easier for people to access. Mm, yeah, and accessibility, I think that's a huge one. I think, you know, a lot of people do struggle with that. Um, and being at home in front of your phone or in front of your computer, it definitely makes it a lot easier. And also when you're talking wait times and things like that, I've noticed that that's a big struggle for people since COVID. So that's another barrier there as well. Yeah, all really yeah. good points. Yeah. So I've seen a lot of people discussing um, overlapping symptoms lately. Can you talk about what that is and is it likely to cause a misdiagnosis? Yeah. So overlapping symptoms is incredibly common in the realm of mental health. And in fact, it's not just a challenge for, you know, people sitting at home, <laughs> scrolling in their phones or jumping onto Google and trying to make sense of themselves and what they're going what they're going through. So even for clinical professionals, there's sometimes not, you know, very clear and clean lines when it comes to making conclusive diagnoses. This is an uncomfortable ambiguity that I don't think we like to address in the realms of science and medicine. You know, we really like to think that there's a box that can be, you know, um, that can fit everyone into, or there's a label that's going to be able to sum up everyone's experiences. Uh, so unfortunately, you know, it is ambiguous, not only in physical health, but particularly in mental health, because there's so many different factors at play. Um, and it makes me uh, recall this paper from Hickling and colleagues uh, out of Florida, and they explore PTSD in military personnel. And they speak to this sheer number of possible minimal diagnos diagnostic combinations, which is 1,750 which increases to over 10,000 theoretical possibilities in, um, in the DSM, sorry, which is the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, which is supposed to be, you know, the clear and cut way of understanding who has what type of disorder. So there's heaps of different ways of understanding and uh, diagnosing something like PTSD. And that sort of runs through a number of mental health conditions, such as, you know, um, borderline personality, things like bipolar, ADHD, and even autism. So it's not, you know, it's not a, a simple craft. It's actually quite complex. And it's, it's really why we like to leave it to um, in the hands of the professionals. Yeah. And I think maybe just hearing that a lot of people might understand if they have had a misdiagnosis, why that's happened. And I think maybe we need to look at misdiagnosis potentially as in a different light, that it's not always a negative thing, because it means that you've got a practitioner that's going, oh, hey, hang on a minute. Let's look at this a little bit deeply. And then you're more likely to get the support you need. And as we know, with the DSM, things change all the time. So that yep. probably contributes to things as well. So maybe misdiagnosis isn't always necessarily a negative thing, but it just means that I guess we're, we're growing in learning and and doing better for everyone i think so and i think that we can even think in terms of re-diagnosis if we we think oh, okay like maybe that. those those labels and that diagnosis is no longer serving is no longer leading to the type of positive outcomes that we were hoping to achieve therefore maybe we need to return back to um, the diagnosis and see how we can uh, understand this a little bit better and how we can understand you know the, the client a little bit better too yeah, I think that re-diagnosis is great because I know for myself, my mental health, you know, diagnosis in itself has changed because of my situation and the way things have changed and my recovery and all that sort of thing. So I like re-diagnosis. I think that fits way better. Definitely. All right. So what are some of the risks that might come with uh, self-diagnosis? Okay, so the first one I think that comes to mind is that it is possible that you can miss a medical condition that might be contributing to your symptoms. So the thing is, is that our body and mind do not exist in isolation, and they're very integral to, you know, each other's running, you know, like we need it, we obviously need our 
brains to survive um, and we need our bodies <laughs> to do what they need to do. However, there can be uh, sort of uh, physical disorders, there can be illnesses, um, diseases that can impact our mind and the way that we think, the way that we feel and the way that we're behaving. And so if we rush to the conclusion of oh, I'm going to diagnose myself with a mental health disorder, it might lead you to sort of stop the hunt when it comes mm. to maybe recognising that those are really just symptoms of an underlying uh, physical uh, condition, or disease or disorder that might really be the, the root cause. And I would also say that you can easily miss something that you can't see. Uh, you know, we were talking about this whole sense of misdiagnosing, but there's also heaps of mental health conditions that actually co-occur, such as, you know, depression and anxiety. You can have autism and ADHD. It's not like you have one and you're done. Uh, a lot of people do experience a, a range of conditions happening at the same time. So if you find one thing and you think, great, that's going to explain everything about me and everything that I'm going through, uh, then, you know, you might be missing something. And I think that finally you can attempt to almost self-manage or cure yourself uh, when you realise, okay, I'm diagnosing myself with that, I understand, um, which means that you can even complicate things further. You might even make things worse if you don't really know what you're, you're dealing with and you don't really know how to deal with it. Yeah, definitely. And I think you've touched a nerve there when you're talking about um, the sort of the symptoms mirroring for different conditions. I know for a friend of mine, you know, she'd originally had one diagnosis and then it came along that because some of the symptoms were similar to another, the same thing can happen, you know, that they say similarities between ADHD and trauma and a whole different range of things. So yeah, and then also another friend, same deal, physical symptoms turned out to be thyroid problems. Once the thyroid was fixed, her depression went away. So I think that's definitely something to look at, which is why you you know, uh, getting that extra support and um, is definitely helpful. So um, what are some of the, again, the benefits that can come from self-diagnosis just to flip it around? Well, you know, I like to say as with um, with psychology, there's nothing that's just all good or all bad. Uh, mm -hmm. We definitely have to recognise that, you know, we live in this incredibly connected age, but we can access technology and understanding at our fingertips at any time. So I think that what I love seeing about all this content and about these conversations conversations happening online is that it really shows that people are more and more uh, interested in becoming aware of their mental health. They're really understanding the importance of mental health and they're actively out there trying to seek answers, information and a deeper understanding. I think that it's really helpful to want to develop a greater sense of self-awareness and find information and tools to help us better manage our sort of unique cognitive, emotional and behavioural landscapes. And, you know, people are often deeply drawn to being part of communities. You know, we're social animals and even in online spaces, people can feel like uh, you know, when they identify with a, a specific condition, it can earn them access into a supportive and understanding community, a group of people who, you know, will validate and say, I know what it's like and it's normal that you feel this way, you know, I've been there. So I think that that's one of the, the benefits. Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, we talk about stigma. We often have a stigma sometimes even with our own selves to know that the way that we're behaving, you know, is not abnormal can sometimes be really comforting. So, yeah, definitely. So what are some of the ways that people can seek help if they think that they may have uh, mental health symptoms? Yeah, so, you know, just having that thought uh, 
is something I guess to to be celebrated in a way. I know that it won't often feel like that. You you know, if you think that you're sort of moving through um, some mental health challenges, that in and it's uh, in and of itself can be quite confronting. Um, so I think. Uh, you know, just meet yourself with a sense of compassion there. It's it's uh, rather common, you know, like you mentioned, that you might be feeling some shame, you might be feeling some guilt or some confusion around it, and that's perfectly normal and natural. I would say the best place to start is really to go to your GP um, and to get a referral to a mental health practitioner. So we're lucky enough to have the mental health care plan uh, here in um, Australia-wide, which means that you get a number of rebated visits uh, to a psychologist or clinical psychologist. And if you chat to your GP, I mean, it's it's so hard because from GP to GP, you really do get very different experience. Um, I was in incredibly grateful to have met a, a really, really wonderful doctor um, just, uh, you know, soon after I was pregnant for the first time, who was very comfortable and very well equipped at talking about mental health conditions. Um, and so I'm really hoping that, you know, we get to start to see more of that happening over time. Um, however, if you're not ready to maybe have a face-to-face com- uh, conversation uh, or even a telehealth conversation, there's a number of free helplines available Australia-wide, and they can be a good place to start too. So things like the mental health support line, uh, Headspace for people under 25, you've got Beyond Blue. Um, there's a number of rep- reputable online sources as well. So MindSpot, there's Head to Health and MyCompass.org.au. Again, there's heaps of information online and it can be hard to understand, okay, what's the legitimate stuff and um, what's more of just, you know, old Larry getting up on his blog, (laughs) typing about something (laughs) that he doesn't really know that much about. So I think that, yeah, you know, reaching out to a GP um, can definitely help. And and also if you're able to find yourself um, having conversations with people who have also been through some mental health issues, maybe they have a therapist or practitioner that they really trust and that has really worked for them. Um, and talking about that can be great because that can give you somewhere that you can maybe go. Uh, also recognizing that it's not a one size fits all. Man, wouldn't it be easy? Oh, if wouldn't it that was? be so good? <laughs> it would be great. It would be great. But unfortunately, just as complex as we humans are, um, you know, sometimes the process to, you know, getting the, the right type of help we need uh, can be confusing. And we need to return back to the drawing board time and time again which is unfortunately not really how we feel, especially if we're going through, you know, depression and anxiety. However, you know, just that awareness of recognising, okay, I think that I might uh, be experiencing something and it might be helpful for me to get some support. That's an incredible place to start. That self-awareness is empowering in and of itself. Um, And from there, you know, you just need to take the next step. Absolutely. And I think you're 100% right there. Being self-aware and taking that first step is important. And also don't be afraid if you find a GP and you don't connect on mental health, then go see a different one. If you find you're seeing a psychologist and you don't gel, go see a different one. That's right. Doesn't have to close the door. Just keep trying. So yeah, definitely. So sharing experiences can be helpful. What are some of the positives that can come from mental health content on social media? 
yeah, so I think that social media is really, uh, you know, a space where we can share and connect over lived experiences. Uh, more and more so we're heading into the realm of authenticity online where we do feel like we can disclose maybe parts of our story or parts of uh, our experience that maybe aren't you know, the beautiful, glamorous and shiny things that we used to see all over Instagram. You know, people are less interested in seeing that now. They're more interested in seeing real people and they're more interested in seeing content that they can connect to. And I think as well, this uh, this type of mental health content really dependent on who's who's uh, posting it and putting it out there, it can start to get us thinking. It can start to build that, you know, to build that level of self-awareness, make us sort of look back on ourselves and go, okay, that's interesting. Or, yeah, that's something that I've experienced once before. You know, I don't think that we should uh, invest too much into it, again, because for a lot of the time we don't know the credentials of the people who are creating and sharing this content and again the people that we connect with might not necessarily be the people with the greatest expertise on the matter but I do think that's that it's it, you know it's still incredibly empowering to realize I am not alone and to realize that someone is sharing their story and feels brave enough to do so which also gives us permission in a way to share ours you know maybe not on colorful graphics on an Instagram <laughs> carousel yeah or a TikTok, a TikTok reel but maybe you know enough courage there to go you know what I'm gonna I'm gonna call you know lifeline or I'm I'm going to book in a, a telehealth session with my GP. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's so true. I mean, even here at Brainwaves, we talk about, you know, sharing stories as inspiring others. And I think that can definitely happen in online spaces. So uh, accessibility can be a barrier for a lot of people. Um, you know, we've talked about this a little bit before about accessing supports. Um, online spaces can kind of provide communities and places of safety for people who might feel alone in their experience. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think that absolutely the internet has shown to be the sort of place where people can seek refuge and find a sense of belonging and community. You know, the need to belong, to be accepted and to be part of a group is, again, one of our really essential human needs. And I think now what's happening um, in, you know, celebrating, I guess, people's diversity and the different ways that we experience the world, maybe the different challenges that we face, you know, when we find uh, that we're, again, not alone and that there are other people who have gone through similar experiences, um, that can be incredibly validating. And validation, as we know, in the mental health space is really something essential for us to come to terms with our own reality, to come to terms with things like the feelings that we're experiencing and recognising it's okay to feel, you know, to feel stuff. We're human beings, we're built to feel, um, but also recognising that it's okay to notice, okay, I don't think that this feels right or you know, this is really hard for me and just getting through, you know, day by day is a challenge. So maybe, you know, there's a reason for this or maybe there's some other people who might understand or have had a similar experience. So I really like the internet uh, for that. And I think that sometimes, you know, a lot of conversation about how poisonous social media is, <laughs> it, it really misses out on uh, that really essential part of, you know, people finding these communities that they may never, ever have had access to prior. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I agree with you 100%. I know for me, um, I've been lucky enough to be a part of some really fantastic Facebook groups where we've supported each other, um, you know, where we've been there for each other when we've had certain experiences or just validated our feelings and helped us to feel that, you know, we can navigate certain situations securely and know that it's okay for us to sort of speak up about how we feel or what we're experiencing. So, yeah, definitely. And do you have any recommendations for good mental health uh, content online? So I don't actually have any hard and fast ones, to be quite honest, because what happens is that I don't like to fix myself to you know, a particular feed or a particular channel. I like to make the process a little bit more active, which means that I'm going to look for information on a particular topic uh, because sometimes, you know, not all topics are going to be relevant for me right now. And, uh, you know, not only just sort of in my own professional sphere, but also with the things that I'm experiencing in my own life. You know, sometimes I might go looking for some stuff to help me, uh, you know, navigate motherhood a little easier. Um, I'm also doing a PhD at the moment. So sometimes I'll go and see, you know, you know, um, you know, writing anxiety or, uh, you know, writing blocks and, and what that means. So I think that that active component to using social media is actually quite important because we found that people who use social media more actively and with greater intention have more positive outcomes with it. What can happen is sometimes we find ourselves sort of passively uh, connected to maybe a feed that we're following and, you know, keep seeing the same sorts of content coming round and round again. And maybe that doesn't, you know, make sense for us right now. Or maybe that's not the sort of thing that's going to help support us through this next hurdle in life. So I would recommend you know, you're going out there and, and maybe looking for the, the sorts of content that resonates for you and for your own experience now. And don't be afraid to maybe unfollow when that doesn't, you know, suit anymore and keep looking. You know, it's, uh, you know, we're iterative beings. We're not just stuck. We're actually a progress. Uh, you know, we're a work in progress at all times. And so I think treating our social media feeds um, like uh, something that can enable that, enable us as a process to continue to transform and grow is really the most empowering way we can use social media. I love that. That is really great advice. Absolutely. And I think, yeah, unfollowing is super important. If it doesn't resonate with you anymore, it doesn't need to be there. So that's great. And Ash, it's been wonderful having you to chat to here on Brainwaves today to have a chat. Do you have any last thoughts before we wrap up? Just, you know, make sure that if you're heading online um, and you're, you know, seeking to understand more about yourself, recognize that not all this type of, uh, you know, therapized content is created equally. And so sometimes just also inviting a little bit more of, um, I'd say, a, a critical a critical lens to it. And that is, you know, who's telling this story? Uh, where are they getting their information from? You know, you might want to go and have a look at their bio to see what sort of work they have or what sort of history. Are they speaking from lived experience, which is totally fine, but recognizing that, you know, we all have different lived experiences. And if someone is giving advice based off of theirs, then it might not be the right fit for you too. So just, you know, we don't need to just consume and we don't need to see everything that we, that we see <laughs> popping up on social media and absolutely buying into it hook, line, sinker. Everyone has the power to create and contribute in these feeds. Um, and also, if you feel inclined, it's also a space where you, you can share your own story and you can share things that have, that have helped you or help yourself connect to other people. And that's a great way to use social media too. 
Absolutely. We're all part of a bigger community here, which is fantastic. Thank you so much, Ash, for coming on the show today. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you and you've really helped uh, me uh, with some information there. So I hope our listeners get something out of it too. And uh, yeah, thanks. Thanks heaps. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Ash, for coming on the show today. Um, As we've discussed, Therapize content is a very relevant topic right now, and I think you've shared a lot of great insight for our listeners. I really hope that everyone has enjoyed today's show, and you can definitely find more of our shows at our website, brainwaves.org.au, or on the 3CR website, 3cr.org.au, or on Spotify, or wherever you happen to download your 3CR podcast. Um, as always, I encourage you to reach out to us if you've got a story to share or if you'd like to give us some feedback or even some suggestions for future shows, uh, please email us at brainwaves at Thanks so much for listening, everyone. Please stay safe. We will be back next Wednesday at 5 p.m. for another episode of Brainwaves on 3CR. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.